This is a recording for the BC Humanist Association's online event, A Humanist View on Toxic Masculinity. Humanism is a progressive worldview that, without supernaturalism, affirms our ability and responsibility to lead meaningful, ethical lives capable of adding to the greater good of humanity. To learn more about humanism and to support our work, visit bchumanist.ca and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and to subscribe to this podcast. Hello, this is Janice in Kelowna. Is that Ian? Um, Ian's not here, it's Emily. Nope. Sorry, I'm just going to oh, mute Emily. everyone who's not a speaker. Okay. Um, is muted? <laughs> Shall I mute myself? Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Sorry, I'm just trying to figure out how to do that. Okay, cool. I think we've got it. Um, Hello, I cannot hear anything. Yeah, we can hear you. I'm just trying to mute you so that the speakers can talk um, without being interrupted. Cool. Okay, I think that should be it. Um, all right. Uh, so thanks everyone for joining us. Um, I'm Emily Fagan. I'm the marketing. I'm the director of outreach for BC Humanist Association, and I've just got a few things to note before we start tonight's panel. Um, so before we begin, I want to acknowledge that I'm coming to you tonight from the ancestral and unceded homelands of the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Wissanic peoples whose historical relationships with the land continue to this day. I'm grateful for this opportunity to be on the shared territory, although I was not invited to do so. Um, given tonight's turnout, I've muted everyone on Zoom to prevent any inadvertent interruptions to the presentation for our speakers. If you are not muted uh, due to technical complications, please mute yourself. Out. It's very helpful. Um, if you have a question for any of our panel or any of our speakers at any time, please send it in the chat and I'll relay it to our speakers in the question period at the end of tonight's event. Um, so tonight's event is also available, will also be released on our YouTube channel and podcast next week. Uh, so the event is called uh, Humanist View on Toxic Masculinity and Black Male Identity, a talk with Corey Clay and Matt Ashcroft, who are both returning speakers to the BCHA. Which is very exciting. Um, Matt is a LGBTQ plus and racial equity advocate and a student at the University of Toronto majoring in equity studies. Okay. As a conversion therapy survivor, his advocacy, I have trouble saying this word, advocacy includes confronting gaps in legislation that allow for systemic abuses such as sexual orientation and gender identity change efforts to further marginalize LGBTQ plus people in Canada, the United States and abroad. Corey Clay has 14 years of experience in various academic settings, including as an adjunct professor at private universities in Portland, Oregon, and Houston, Texas. His academic interests have included police violence, probation, and uh, the criminalization of cannabis, as well as, other, as well as the dehumanization of black male form by police and other entities. Our next special virtual event, uh, no church, uh, sorry, an event on the arbiters of I'm like blanking on the name, but the event is based on a paper we recently released um, and it will be coming up on September 24th. 
uh, Arbiters of Faith, the paper. Um, please keep an eye on our newsletter and social media for information on how to RCP very soon. So we'll leave some time at the end for questions and I'll leave it to Corey and Matt uh, to take things from here. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Emily. Thank you for the, the platform, I really appreciate it. Um, and then uh, since there's two speakers, I'll, I'll jump right into it. Uh, first of all, thank all of you for joining us. Uh, I wanna connect this to humanism and uh, I was trying to figure out, you know, once I, I saw Matt speak a couple weeks ago, how can I connect this to humanism? And I think right now there is a, uh, a small critical mass of humanists of color uh, kind of showing up. Uh, uh, worked with Mandisa Thomas as well. So I think that um, we're coming out more and I think, and I'm happy that, uh, you know, we're, we have a, a platform to speak because uh, something that we'll get into, a, a lot of us of color that become humanists, uh, we, we leave a lot behind. We leave our families, we leave, you know, churches, we leave a lot. So, so thank you for this. Um, and I just want to say hi, hi to Matt. Uh, uh, when I saw him speak a couple of weeks ago, I just was really impressed. And uh, I wanted to uh, synergize with him. And we spoke on the phone yesterday. So um, so let me get right into it. Uh, when it comes to this, this whole concept of toxic uh, masculinity, I think for, for Black men, and I'm not, that's one thing I don't want to do is hurt or say anything negative about Black men. We, we're you know, uniquely, like my last talk, uniquely going through certain things right now. But uh, I think we're very prone to being being toxic uh, because we adopt a lot of this negativity. A lot of this negativity. Uh, a story came out a couple of years ago about this rapper uh, named uh, Boozy Boozy Badass. He was speaking about uh, he didn't want his sons being gay, so he hired uh, prostitutes to perform on his two sons. I think that's highly damaging. And the reason he said it, he said uh, uh, the motivation behind that, he wanted to make sure that his child wasn't gay. Uh, and, and that's a, a very dehumanizing concept. Just when you start to dehumanize uh, the LGBTQ community and black men are uniquely positioned where they, I, I've seen it. I grew up with it. I grew up with black men and being taught to hate gay people. I didn't adopt any of that. Um, but I saw it, I saw it in the church, I saw it in the military, I saw it in law enforcement. Um, and I saw it particularly when it, uh, when it had to do, deal with uh, people of color. Um, and it's, it's very toxic. Um, and a lot of it, I'll hit on four points, um, white supremacy, internalized racism, internalized queerphobia, and this concept of misogynoir, uh, which we'll get into. Uh, when it comes to white supremacy, what does that have to do with, with, with black people, uh, and with black men, everything? Um, you know, we're, we're dealing with racism and demonization right now uh, in America, and you're seeing how it's played out uh, with the murders of black men and cops getting off. Um, and so there's this weird sort of connection between uh, a lot of the black guys who I've mentored and worked with that were athletes uh, at both the schools that I worked at, I work with the athletes. Um, they were in a, a weird place because they knew as black men that they were performing primarily for white people. Um, I used to work with two guys in the NBA. They felt weird because they're like, I understand I am performing. I'm an athlete. I'm here. Basketball is a performative sport. You're out there performing. But they also said, I know that some of these people hate me. And I dealt with it too, being an athlete growing up. I remember, I'm from Texas. Our mascot was a Confederate flag. 
it was black, white, and red. And I remember having some of the guys that weren't, you know, in the stands, like yell racist slurs at us. And th th this was guys I went to school with. They, they hated me, you know, unless I was on the football field, but they, they, they did love me on the football field. They wanted me to score touchdowns, but they also didn't want me in their car or whatever. Uh, so you deal with a lot of that white supremacy and it, it puts you in a weird place because I think a lot of these athletes right now are realizing they have a lot of power. Um, but that still goes back to this sort of toxicity. You know, as long as they're using their power for positive, uh, the NBA, I think, has done a masterful job. Uh, we'll see what the NFL does. I'm not a baseball fan, so we'll see what happens in the, in the next couple of months. Um, but a lot of this stuff is rooted in white supremacy um, when it comes to, to black male, to black males. And a lot of it is also rooted in internalized racism. Um, we talk about black on black crime. That's a concept. Uh, the concept, it's just crime. It is, but it isn't. If you listen to certain hip hop lyrics, I was listening to a song today because I wanted to be sure that I knew what I was talking about. And I'm not gonna say the lyrics, but it was kill an N-word, shoot an N-word, blah, 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 blah. When you have that psychological image in your head, you're not thinking about this black man out there beating up a white kid. No, you think, you, you adopt these images to where you are internalizing this hatred towards people that look like you. So I, I think that we don't talk about that enough. We have a lot of issues, a lot of mental health issues in the black community and black men are taught not to seek help. You know, don't seek therapy. That is a sign of weakness. If there's something wrong with you up here, that is a sign of weakness. And so we internalize it and it's toxic and it, it hurts our bodies. It hurts our psychology. It hurts our physical form. So we need to deal with that because it's something that you just can't shake off. And with that trauma, that internalized racism, it goes on per generation. That same trauma that I have, I would pass on to my son. And that, and that trauma that was given to me by my grandfather. So, um, so yeah, we have to deal with that internalized racism. We also have to talk about internalized queerphobia. Um, that's rooted in slavery too. Uh, I did my research uh, when it comes to certain places like the, the, the Caribbean and the South. Uh, there was a concept during slavery um, and, and just uh, the diaspora of this concept of buck breaking where the white male overseer would literally rape um, black men in front of their children, in front of their wives to break them down psychologically and physically. That happened years ago, but that trauma still stays with a lot of the black men. So you have this internalized queerphobia to where black men, you, you hear it in the music, you, you still see it in sports. Um, one of the worst things you can do is call a black man the F word. Those are, don't, don't, don't say nothing about my mama or don't call me that word because those are fighting words. That's the way you grew up. Um, for some reason, for me, I, I didn't, I didn't grow up that way. I sort of loved every, everyone. I had a friend growing up though, um, you know, when we are about six or seven years old, people would make comments, why are you playing with that little boy? Um, Corey, he has sugar in his tank. And I didn't know what that meant until I grew up. Like, well, what does that mean? Well, that means he, he, he acts feminine, he, he's, he's gay. I'm like, well, I don't care, we, we play Transformers. But even as a little boy, you start hearing these negative things. Um, about gay people and you either internalize it or you don't. I didn't, um, I, I just, look, if you had certain transformers, I was gonna play with you, <laughs> you know, I didn't care. And even as I grew up, I realized that, you know, working in law enforcement, being in the military, 
being in certain aspects of academia. I worked at a Christ-centered school. Uh, the queer phobia there was, and, and this was a university. Uh, and I would see it from black faculty members, particularly black male faculty members, and there were only a couple of us. So you see this internalization of hating gay people and you see it play out. There was a, an athlete, a football player a couple years ago. He thought his son was going to be gay. His son was acting effeminate. So he took a switch and whipped his son to the point to where he lacerated his scrotum. The little boy was three. So imagine that abuse that you're placing upon a child because you think that they might be gay. Uh, and, and not to even talk about a lot of the, the, the black men, you know, the black fathers that do this. That physical abuse, whipping, spanking your child, that comes directly from slavery. So they're adopting, that, I find that funny about, and I'm not, like I said, I don't wanna talk poorly about black people, but I find it funny, like black people hate slavery, except for the religion and some of the, some of the child rearing aspects. That's not all of them, but I know that, it's, and I'm not gonna say especially the South, but the way I grew up, I'm talking about me, uh, to see you know, my friends get beat with belts and extension cords, um, especially if they might be gay, or especially if a young man was acting like a girl. Uh, you realize that you don't act that way. And so you suppress it, which is also something that causes um, a lot of trauma when you suppress emotions, they, they come back and they manifest themselves in negative ways. Uh, and my final point before I pass it on is this concept of massage noir that I've been seeing a lot more uh, when it comes to, to black male. And this concept is misogyny, misogyny and noir means black. So it's black misogyny. And you see it directly from black men and it directed towards black women. Uh, we have a presidential, presidential election going on right now. Uh, one of the, the candidates is for VP for the Democratic side is this woman, uh, this woman by the name of Kamala Harris. Uh, I think she's amazing. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we can talk about criminal justice, but that's my opinion. With that being said, I have seen how black men have been talking poorly about her calling her the C word, not because of what she's done with her politics, because she's married to a white man. So why didn't you marry a black man? You know, she's, she's, she's a bedwench, just the words that they use. Um, and I'll put this out there. I know we're not asking questions right now. A lot of it plays out too when it comes to athletics. When I think about who is the greatest athlete of our time right now, many people would say Michael Jordan. Uh, I think that's misogynistic because the greatest athlete of our time, metric-wise, as far as I'm concerned, is going to be Serena Williams. You can't win 23 Grand Slam titles uh, as far as this open, this, in this open era. She gets totally looked over. They talk about athletes, and they, they do this on ESPN, on Fox Sports. They do they, the greatest athlete of all time. Never mention Serena Williams. Um, how can you not? You say athlete. You didn't say male or female. Some people will, will mention her, but the fact that she doesn't get mentioned and the fact that I have seen black men hate on her because she's married to a white man, uh, it, 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 it's silly. Uh, so yeah, a lot of this misogynoir and where, and my final point before I pass it on, I, I see a lot of it in these brothers who call themselves hoteps. Totally uh, different concept. I was talking to Matt about this because I laugh about it. A hotep is a black man that wants to replace say white male patriarchy with black male patriarchy. And the way they do it, they do that is that they, they really put down black women. Everything is hatred and anger and rage. 
and it's directed towards black women. And when you bring it up, when you ask them to, you know, why is this? A lot of it, I think, has to do with jealousy. In a lot of ways, black women have surpassed black men when it comes to education. Uh, they feel, you know, I don't need a man. I don't need a black man, so I'm going to do what I want to do. And I think that that manifests itself in, in jealousy. And uh, it can go back to physical violence, uh, you know, the, oh, they date a black woman just so they can hurt her. So there's a lot of toxicity with black men. And I think those four points in particular is where it manifests itself. Um, you know, when you look at just uh, white supremacy, the internalized racism, the internalized queerphobia, and uh, misogynoir. But the two points I mentioned twice were internalized. This is stuff that we hold within ourselves. So I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, like I said, I think this directly correlates with humanism because, like I've stated before, we have been so dehumanized that we feel like we have to dehumanize others as well uh, because of the lack of humanity that we felt. But I don't need to dehumanize. When I saw Matt, and then my final point, I'm like, I want to reach out to him because he just seems like a cool dude. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of work to be done. And, and once again, I'm not here to talk down. I'm just here to sort of elevate the conversation a little bit more. Because when I saw him speak two weeks ago, I saw him speaking. I was like, I know there's something I want to say to him. And when I asked him that question, his reaction was golden. And that's the reaction I wanted because this is the part that I'm like, I want to synergize with him because this is the part I think that people are missing, uh, especially in a humanist environment. So that's all I got until questions, and I'll pass it on to Matt. All right. Thank you. So if anybody hasn't seen me the last time, hi, I'm Matt. Um, I was. Uh, I am a settler uh, in Toronto or Toronto. Um, my pronouns are he, him. Um, I currently, uh, um, I'm currently at the University of Toronto, uh, majoring in equity studies, um, and I am a conversion therapy survivor. So how I led to con so I how I even became to conversion therapy, which all of you are going to get the exclusive. Um, I just do, I just want to do a, a quick shout out. Um, so it's called Black Status Social Network. I'm wearing a Black University uh, sweatshirt. And I, I, I wear this because we are all about empowering others and we empower each other. If it's anything less than that, if it's anything less than empowering each other, then, it, then it's not promoting Black people. So I, I say this because there is uh, there is a, a a lot of toxicity with black folks. Um, specifically, my dad um, is a, a Jamaican, had um, had adaptations of cultural um, ideologies that came from Jamaica uh, to the point where. Um, I have to act a certain way or I wasn't man enough. I have to be a certain way if I wasn't man or wasn't man enough. I remember when I was in the ninth grade, I had a conversation with my dad. And one of the things that he said was, hey, if you were to change something about me, uh, what would it be to himself? And I said, I wouldn't change anything about you, dad. He said, do you know what I would change about you? And then so instantaneously that conversation uh came about where um you would you would go to jamaica you would run up and down the hill you would be tougher you um there was this sense of 
sensitivity and and being yourself and liking different things and being an individual was shunned and frowned upon and you have to fit this certain stereotypical mold about who you uh who you're supposed to be by media portrayal um it happened uh it happens uh, across the board even in music we were talking about music and um one of um uh younger artists uh one of uh lil yachty's uh album covers was uh two uh, was two men kissing and that was uh, that was one of the biggest controversies in hip hop in that year, because there is a toxic masculinity in in hip hop to project this tough guy figure um, that that I'm from I, I'm I'm from something uh, I'm from the streets. This is this is the way I act, and this is the way that I want to uh, that I want to portray myself because everybody was portraying themselves that way. Um, so essentially, essentially that's what we're looking at, like in a broader perspective. And then we have, and then which Corey and I were talking about with, um, with Black Lives Matter and just, uh, people, people not wanting to subscribe to Black Lives Matter because Black Lives Matter allows uh, queer trans non-binary folks in it. Um, you realize that promoting equity in some way, um, it is led by women, it is led by queer women, it is led by a movement that envisions equity for all and to show uh, that we are able to express vulnerabilities and we are able to be angry and it is safe to be angry and it's also safe to cry and it's also safe for us to have the exploration of our feelings and what that is what that is supposed to look like and how that looks like for us. That's what I mean about uh, racial equity and injustices that happened with us. And I feel I, I feel that um, there is a lot of um, there's a there's a lot of hegemony, which I'm going to be touching on a lot today. Um, there's a lot of he hegemony where uh, if nobody knows what that word is, it's the top-down approach that is adapted by Catholicism. That is the reason why that I don't subscribe to Catholicism, but it's the top-down approach that is subscribed by Catholicism to say that everybody um, is to be one way, so uh, which is the nuclear family. One man, one woman, under God, never divorce, under any circumstances, uh, with... 2.5 kids not happening does doesn't it doesn't work for everybody and it doesn't work for me um and usually people and uh quick side note uh usually people um like dr umar johnson would like to promote people into the same race and so therefore uh therefore there's not a broad perspective on who we can be how we can act who we can marry who um who we can have sex with. Um, there's a lot of different factors that we need to work on and, it, and we need to work on it together or else we're not gonna be able to work on it at all. It starts with uh, each and every one of us. And if we can just listen and we can all listen and we can all show mutuality and respect, we would be a lot farther off than what we are. Thank you.
Thank you, both of you. Um, do you have more to say to that, Corey, or do you want to start taking questions? No, I think I'll add two points when Matt mentioned uh, Black Lives Matter. That's um, the big sort of uh, fissure right now is that not everybody subscribes to it. I understand that. But I see a lot of Black men who I'm not supporting Black Lives Matter because it's run, you know, it, it's been created, like Matt said, by, by, by a lot of queer individuals and by women. Uh, and I think that's just a very, like, regardless if they're still black, they're going to still be treated the same way by the patriarchy that I, you know, no, no one cares. Like I've seen that before. I've seen cops hurt people, not because, you know, because they're black. So the fact that you don't support this because uh, a queer person might be involved, it's, it's silly to me, but it's, it's out there. And that's what I, why I brought up um, Kamala Harris, because if, if they lose that election, I think it's because black men aren't going to come out and vote. Uh, because it's not about him, is they don't like her, uh, which is which is, you know, I, I think there's a lot of damage that's been done to, to black men. And, and and one other point, when when Matt mentioned Dr. Umar Johnson, Dr. Umar Johnson is a first of all, we don't know if he's a doctor. Uh, <laughs> there's some speculation, but he calls himself that. Uh, he's one of these sort of uh, hoteps and. Hotep means peace, but they've sort of hijacked the word. And there's this undercurrent of black men who are so black that they, that's all, you know, like Umar Johnson would not work with me. He would dehumanize me because I'm married to a white woman. He's made that. And, and the sad part about it is that I see these guys on these platforms on mainstream plat platforms. The first time I saw Umar Johnson was on 97.9 or uh, the, the Breakfast Club. So I, and I've seen them on these different platforms and look, I believe everybody should have the freedom of speech, but when you have so much hate and hatred for black women and hatred for queer people, and then you sort of forget where you're at in this hierarchy, I find that to be very, uh, very silly. Um, and I think a lot of it comes from a place of pain. So as a cisgender male, I saw Matt Ashcroft, I'm like, I wanna work with that guy. It's because I think we can probably do a lot of damage, <laughs> you know, once I get to Vancouver and he's in Toronto, but that's the way I observe things. Um, that's also purposeful because I've had to reject so much of, uh, you know, just the religious teachings that I had. I grew up Southern Baptist and, that, and that's a whole other issue. Uh, and when Matt mentioned conversion therapy, that happens in, in a macro sense and also in a micro sense. And the reason I bring that up is that I, you know, people would see me, Corey's ex, uh, he's, he's a veteran, law enforcement, big, hey, Corey, I've had this happen twice, uh, twice recently. Can you hang out with so-and-so because you, he might be gay? Can you ungay my son? No. You know, that, that's, I've had people have those conversations with me because I, I, I'm not, you know, your son is gay. There's nothing, I can't put him through Corey boot camp, and, you know, and so I've gotten that in a micro sense um, from people of all colors. Um, and I've had to have conversations like, look, you need to accept your child for, for who they are because me hanging out with your child, like, what do you, I can't toughen them up. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, 
beat the gay out, you know, like, and I've had these conversations with people, well, maybe if they hang out with you, and some of these have been single mothers, and uh, I just, I've had to reject that um, 100% in the past couple of years, because uh, there's nothing wrong with, with being gay. I'm also coming from a, um, like I said, a Black Southern Baptist perspective, which I've always found to be amusing, uh, where, you know, I would hear anti-gay sermons, um, but you know the choir director is gay, you know, and <laughs> there's that sort of weird dichotomy, um, particularly when it came uh, to Black men. So, no, I, 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 Matt made some, I mean, the, the points he made were salient. Uh, and like I said, a lot of this, you know, a lot of the damage that's been done to black male, black men, they're they're hoisted in upon other people, um, and at the same time, we're also the perpetual victim as well. So you live in this weird place uh, where you just sort of live in this 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 weird limbo at times, and it's um, you know, so you have to find allies. So that was the main reason I reached out to Matt. You got an ally now uh, who's going to have your back, and I'm pretty sure vice versa because you know we don't all. You know, we're, black people are not some monolithic group as well. Uh, we don't all think the same, but we have to fight a, against a lot of negative thought. And the reason I'm a humanist as well is because I've seen so much damage from the church uh, that's still going on. Now, I want to talk about some of these pastors who are out there. I call them uh, preacher pimps, uh, just causing da just causing damage. Uh, and the fact that people won't reject that, uh, I find it to be. You know, I, I find it to be odd, but I also sadly understand, you know, if you grew up in the church and you're, you know, if you do this, you're going to burn in hell, you know, you, it's, it's hard to reject when you're raised that way. Um, but once, you know, I, I think for me, I, I, I reject so much of the negativity that, you know, it, it's easy for me to sort of bounce it off. So no, I mean, and, and, and to wrap up, I just, you know, Matt's got an ally. Uh, and I, I think that, being allies for each other, because I think ultimately we see the silliness in a lot of, that's why, as, as a humanist in general, all of us, we see certain aspects of life and like that's, that's silly, that's, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, in continuation, um, there is, there, it, it's, uh, it, it's like, from my perspective, it does seem a little bit monolithic in some sort of behaviors um in realization no it's not but if if you look at a media projection like kind of um understanding with like with like like um even like old school hip-hop artists and like how they act how they talk like 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 what energy they they want to portray and that was a cultural thing at the time that kind of moved into different directions in music um it really gives a sense of comfortability or um of uh heteronormativity that really it's um using fear-based approaches a lot of the time um uh I, let, let's just let me just uh get into a story um, one of the one of the one of the traumas that I had when I was younger, uh, especially uh, with my dad, is um, and I heard I heard this before in in Caribbean culture, but um, my dad at a young age tried to get me to sleep with an escort, 
and um, the, a female escort to like make make me a man, and if I didn't do it, then I then I was the f word. And um, there's a there's a lot of that in music too. If you look at some uh, some artists like um, some Jamaican artists like Buju Banton, um, like uh, like Vibes Cartel, like a lot of the things that happen in Jamaica, it's all this like heteronormativity. And it comes from somewhere. Um, again, it's uh, hegemony. When, when uh, England invaded the Caribbean and everything, um, they also invaded their mindset. So their mindset is more from a cisgendered white Christian mindset. And therefore they are able to um, they are able to continue and hold that mindset and uh, it's just basically in music and uh in in attitudes and people and maintaining that uh, monolithic monolithic view and toxicity and um there's a um there's a lot of shutting off feelings because that is the projection of strength um with with the projection of strength, um, weaknesses are um, are, um, are um, the weakness. Oh, sorry, the the strength. Sorry, I'll, I'll just I'll just touch on that because I was I was also thinking about um, like strength of women and like strong black women um, because. Um, when it, when it comes to like the the breadwinners and like being there for children and and um, everything that that women have to face where they reject um, anything that comes to mental uh, or if they have issues with mental health they are not able to share it readily and they don't have the resources available to them as well and so they uh, with Cor with what Corey said. Um, it's about maintaining and enduring the strength that they um, that they have. There's just a lot of different factors um, that uh, we have to be strong, we have to be tough, and uh, it's a lot of media portrayal, and it's really unhealthy for a lot of us, or for all of us, really. So, anything else, Corey? No, I think that's right. I mean, you, you, you pretty much, you know, hit it on the head. It's like if, if I cry, if I cry, like if like if I was in a public space crying, the cops are going to be there. <laughs> you know, that's that's the that's the funny thing. Like, uh, uh, you know, either he has a mental health issue, or I might just be crying because I lost my grandma. So you can you cannot project weakness. And even for me, it's sort of weird. It's it's um, I, I grew up. Like I said, football, lifting weights. I go to the gym. I'm getting older. I need to start doing yoga. But I get up and I go to the gym and I lift weights. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? Oh, because I have to be strong. And it's almost second nature to me um, to do that. So, yeah, a lot of it is just almost, I don't want to use the word inherited, but it's, it's these traits that we pick up uh, because, you know, you're, you know, and that's, that's more than black. That's also Texas and football. And you just pick up these things but there's so much negativity towards it when it comes to having to be masculine. And like Matt hit on the mental health aspects, you know, to seek a therapist, you know, it's, it's number one, there aren't that many therapists out there of color, just to be, I mean, in general role, 
So, and, and then to do that, that's almost a measure of weakness. If, if I tell one of my black friends, oh yeah, I'm in therapy. I think now it's becoming more and more normal because I think educated people, we like, we realize we need therapy every, you know, I think people need therapy, but to go through what we went through with the diaspora, like, we need therapy. So I think it's become more and more normal, but there's a, a huge part of it that's so demoralizing when you say that, no, what's wrong with you? Like, like, you know, for you to say that to me, there's something wrong with us. So yeah, I think Matt pretty much has hit on the things that I missed. And like, yeah, it's to be able to not ever portray weakness uh, or sensitivity or, or even love, like I said, to a certain extent, not even to portray love other than something that's physical, it's damaging. You know, it, it creates trauma. It's not good to hold that in. Like, you know, I watched The Notebook with my wife and, and I don't mean to use that movie like as a negative. It's just that I actually like that movie. You know, you know, there are certain things that, so yeah, I think a lot of things that are very toxic and, and, and to, to get off the, the black part right now real quick and just talk about like when it comes to the LGBTQ, let's not forget like the biggest rapper for years uh, when it comes to hip hop is Eminem. And Eminem's platform was entirely for years anti-gay. Mm-hmm. And it was totally sort of, well, you know, it was, it was normalized. And not until he actually got on stage with Elton John years later, uh, it, it, you know, that was seen as normal to just, he was successful. If you look at some of Eminem's lyrics, you know, 20 years ago, and he, he still, he still has some very problematic music, but that was so accepted because here is a, a white guy doing hip hop and, some of that stuff is horrific. I mean, not just the, the anti-gay stuff. He, he, one of his best songs, he was killing his wife. So, you know, to not think that that's toxic uh, and as a man to sort of normalize that, uh, that's, a, that's a definite sickness that we need to deal with. Corey touched something on police and, and what, what police, uh, like, even just like, fear of the police and 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 what that looks like it's like it's like i walk like i live in downtown toronto and when i when i walk um and i see a police officer and a police officer slowing up first thing i think of is free like i freeze like i i like my body freezes and then i feel like this like these eyes watching you like something is about to happen and it's and it's just this like and it's just this like feeling of, of, of you have to be, you have to be a certain way and you have to act a certain way or else you're, you're going to find an opposition somewhere. Um, it's um, all, all together. We just, ha- we just deal with a lot of factors that, uh, that a lot of people just don't think about on a regular basis. And if you don't have to think about it, we do we have to think about it uh, twice as much, three times as much, um, much more about things that happen and what's going on and, and how do, and how do, and how do I be safe? And uh, how do I avoid myself from the, from these scenarios? And, and um, just even interactions, even uh, interactions that are, <laughs> are racist in nature about like, just just for the the way that i look it's it's assumed that that i'm so uh that i'm a drug dealer or or it's um 
it's also it's it's just pushed on by media and a media portrayal and what and what that looks like and and um it's not fair um we don't really get a fair shot we don't get a, really a fair shot in the education system there was an article by john ogbu it's the burdens of acting too white um uh in uh, in in accordance to the education system uh, if I act too white, um, black, uh, black folks are going to belittle and make fun of me. If I act too black, um, the teachers are going to see me as problematic. And so that also leaves a lot of um, estrangement when it comes to mental health anyway. So where does that leave us? What do we do? What is the solution? I don't know. But what I, what, um, what I, do, what I do know is uh, black folks, queer a straight, whatever, we all need to be together and we, we all need to show each other support. Cool. Yeah, I think we can take some questions now, Emily. Cool. Um, Corey, would you mind maybe moving your mic a little bit away from your mouth? Just some people are having trouble like hearing you just because of okay. uh, Is that, that better? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one question that was sent in uh, is, are schools intentionally providing any education around this issue and what role could they play, if any? I'll, I'll, go, I'll be quick. In an American perspective, no. Uh, no. I mean, we're, we have a problem even teaching real history in this country. So let's be honest. So, so no. Me as a professor, I have to teach this stuff intentionally in my criminal justice classes. Uh, and even with that being said, I have to be careful about what I teach because if I say the wrong thing, a student might go, I, I've taught race and crime. I thought I mentioned this before. Uh, I was teaching a race and ethnicity course and uh, a student was offended by something I said. I was reading from the textbook. There was nothing offensive that I said. Uh, so even with that, trying to teach this stuff, you have to be careful because if I, say something that might be offensive. And I was also teaching at a, a Christ-centered school. Uh, but to, to, to answer your question, no, uh, they, they don't teach this stuff. They, they don't teach it intentionally. You, you know, once you get into higher education, you have to find people like me or seek me out. But as far as like the K through 12 system, no. And from the Canadians perspective, absolutely not. Um, I feel like that it does need to be incorporated in the education system in Canada. Um, even, even for the simple fact of history, history, uh, history, history, uh, whatever, uh, with, with Africville, with, um, with hair and the importance of hair, the importance of strong black women, what that, what, what, what that means. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, things that we need to look at as a collective to know what black people go through on a regular basis. And once we start incorporating that, then the teachers that have labeled as problematic in the past, they can, they can look at their own behaviors and like, oh, what I'm saying is inherently hegemonic and or inherently racist. And I can change my behaviors and I can look at them for what they are and I can recognize that, uh, that these behaviors are not healthy for black folks and to meet up to those standards without even looking at the, the, 
the macro sense of their life, it's uh, really damaging and dangerous. Yeah, totally. Um, I have a question uh, since I think we're still waiting on some others, but you each, I think both touched on how media portrayals uh, kind of shape this as well. Would you be able to expand on that and like what those media, media portrayals look like that are so toxic? Sure. Um, so media portrayals, um, so, <laughs> so this is a big question um, because this is all, this is in white and or black media. Um, so um, black, uh, I use this loosely. Uh, I'll describe it in just a second. I'll give you um, my example of some news sources that um, when Regis Korczynski Paquette uh, had died recently, um, one of the things that um, um, uh, a news source, CBC, um, said was, um, do you think that America is racist? Yes, no. Do you think that Canada is racist? Yes, no doesn't really solve the issue on racism to say what is more racist and what is less racist. Racism is racism. <laughs> so if you're not looking, to, if you're not willing to look at your behavior and what you're doing and what you're saying and what you're portraying, it's ultimately going to stay the exact same thing. Um, so that's, that's one example. So uh, I would say that for the, um, the the news perspective in like hip hop media perspective it's it's um it's not not being able to show sensitivity like laugh about laugh about sensitivity um where or you're you are you are having this um i i keep on thinking like groups like the Wu-Tang Clan, for example, which is actually one of my favorite groups, um, which is kind of <laughs> like, whatever. But anyway, but it's, it, uh, they, for example, have this, this, this idea where, where it's like this, this, this tough guy mentality and just this portrayal of like, uh, this is what I look like and uh, uh, get money uh like uh demoralize women and it's not just them it, it, there's a bunch of hip-hop artists that that do the the exact same thing and it stems off of others and what that looks like and it's um it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot for us to deal with it's a lot for us to see and and if you don't miss if you miss that mark you're not a part of something which is ultimately toxic and it leaves um, us where we are, we're empaths, sweet, sensitive, and kind. Um, it leaves us not a lot of options. And so what do we do with that? We, we, we just have to think about things in a different way. And it starts with um, everybody just re shifting their mind and just looking at a, another perspective instead of passing the buck. Yeah, and to touch on that, uh, Emily, my perspective is that I think the stats were the vast majority of um, the way that black males portray the media is through sports or crime. So sports and crime, sports and crime. That's where you see it. 
and so you would say, well, what if there was more black producers and directors? Okay, the biggest movie studio in America is run by a man named Tyler Perry. I'm gonna say this, this is my opinion, Tyler Perry is very problematic. And the reason I say that is this, if you watch his movies and you watch it in detail, um, there's a lot of colorism where the hero is a light-skinned black man and the villain looks like me. And the light-skinned black man has to save the God-fearing black woman for me so they can go to heaven. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, and, and that's in Tyler Perry. It's very problematic. Spike Lee's called it out. Aaron Magruder's called it out on the Boondocks. There's an amazing Boondocks episode uh, and, and just an amazing series. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just because you have people in positions, they can still portray particularly black men in these negative lights. And Tyler Perry perpetuates a lot of negative stereotypes as far as I'm concerned. Um, not saying that he doesn't have to, but I mean, you, you can't watch his movies without feeling some sort of trauma. Like I can't, I think there was one movie with Idris Elba. There, there was one dark skinned hero and of course it's Idris Elba. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's just, it's a lot to take in because that's coming from a black man to where if you check it out, you'll see, you know? And so I think that those portrayals are also damaging. That comes from black people and white people. But the main point is that athlete criminal, athlete criminal, when you look at the news, you'll see sports, you'll see criminality. That's how you see black men being portrayed um, in the majority of the times they're portrayed in the media. I can't remember what movie it is, but there's, there, uh, there was a movie uh, on, the, uh, on this teacher um, teaching high school kids, like black and Latinos, um, not being able to get along and uh, are, are prone to like gang violence. And um, um, black kids said to his teacher that I'm not gonna amount to nothing unless if I dribble a ball or, or get into music. And uh, he didn't have a family and he was, he was living, he, he was squatting. And um, it's just, um, there's a lot of pain and emotion because we are either told to be one thing or we're, or we're told that we can't be these things. And so, it does. It has a lot of limited limitations for us on what we can do and what we can be. Um, we can do a lot. There, we we have the most talented people on earth who are black. Um, we just can't set ourselves. Uh, we we others and ourselves can't have limitations on us because we are talented, beautiful, fun people. Absolutely. Um, so our next question comes from Sam Darling. So they are asking both uh, because of Corey's Southern Baptist background and Matt, your Caribbean perspective. Um, they ask, uh, what are the, your thoughts on, as humanists, about the resurgence of quote-unquote hoodoo and quote-unquote voodoo uh, for folk magic and religion? Is it empowering to Black African Americans to take back African roots in animalism, or is it a uh, step back toward into superstition. What is your perspective on that? Whew. I love these questions. <laughs> um, 
Um, I'm going to have to think on that. I think, personally... I think, personally, people have to... I don't know. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I see it as a deterrent because it's put, it's putting your faith into something that really doesn't help and or edify people. Um, I would like to see something that is an encouraging, listening, acting, being, and, and finding some sense of belonging um with within each other um i don't i personally don't see I, I personally don't see a benefit in that perspective if it's if it's if it helps somebody to love somebody better then great but i don't i personally don't see a benefit in it so yeah and i just reject magic in general i just yeah i mean whether it's going back to africa or not i just uh, one of the one call I had working in law enforcement one time was at a church. Um, they were snake handling, and there were venomous snakes, and the guy got bit. And um, that's what happens <laughs> when you handle venomous snakes. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, like, I just don't. <laughs> yeah, they were like, "Well, what happened?" Well, he was snake handling. I'm like, "Well, usually that's what happens." So I just that's my. I, it was a common sense thing to me. Like I wouldn't have done that, but. So no, I, I don't know enough about any of that because I just don't deal with magic. Not trying to be insulting, I just don't I don't play in that realm. Yeah. Anybody have any other questions? Anything at all? Um, this is all about uh, empowering in each other and to lift each other up. Uh, Ian asks, um, did either of you follow the Conservative Party of Canada's leadership race and the strong results posted by uh, Lewis, a Black woman who ran on a very socially conservative platform? And if so, do you have any thoughts on her candidacy and the interaction of race and Canadian politics, where we also have a prime minister who is admitted to doing blackface on numerous occasions? <laughs> Ian! I'll let you go first, Matt. Put him in the situation. <laughs> um, I can't. Uh, um, I can't really speak on the prime minister. Um, I uh, just because the Liberal Party has introduced our bill, so I'm not going to speak on it. But what I can speak on, uh, it for the Leslin Lewis perspective. So I met Leslin Lewis, like I like I said the last time. I met her on the train and she was like fighting, uh, fighting against my bill. And she did, uh, she did power and politics interview where she shared it on the train, uh, two train carts away. We were looking at each other and I retweeted her on Twitter and I was battling her out a little bit. And um, the first thing that I thought of with Leslyn Lewis, when she was sharing that perspective or her perspective is this is so much like the Caribbean people I know. This is, this, this is, this is like that projection of what we are supposed to be 
is being all lost by somebody's uh, internalized homophobia and um, on what, and like, again, on who, on who we are and what we're supposed to be. Um, like traditionalism doesn't really, and hegemony doesn't really focus on anything that I represent where it's uh, love and acceptance for all and what that looks like and not having to worry about politics when it comes to human rights. Um, I reject, I reject her position and you can, you can actually say the same as with Candace Owens, where Candace, where, where Candace Owens is, um, uh, has, has this, has basically rejected her own blackness uh, and, and pushing out a narrative that, that, um, that George Floyd was uh, a, uh, uh, not a saint and uh, like a week later after he died. And, and stuff like that, like where people are, are, are using their platform and or creating a platform out of opposition. Um, I asked, what are they doing this for? What is, what is really happening? And are they really listening to people and all Canadians? Um, again, it, the, the, one of the things in the right, uh, right wing conservative party is that they're trying to do things for all Canadians. And yet it doesn't really include me as a gay black man. And I did follow it a little bit because we're moving up there. So I want to be well versed in it. Um, when I hear the term socially conservative, a lot of that just equates, just to be straight up honest, uh, with anti-gay. Anti uh, especially, look, you've got a lot of black people in America that are socially conservative. They are liberal, they will vote liberal, but they are deeply socially conservative. That comes directly from the church. A lot of the anti-LGBTQ stuff comes directly from the church as well. So when I hear that term socially conservative, that's, that a lot of that is code. It's like state, state, states rights. Uh, Candace Owens, um, I, I'll just say this, I, I, try, I don't speak negatively about, I try not to speak too negative about people in general, but uh, it wasn't that long ago, four years ago, right before Trump, she ran an anti-Trump website uh, that was deeply anti-Trump, making fun of them. Go back a few years before that, uh, the NAACP, she was being bullied by the mayor's son, and so the NAACP actually worked to get her paid because so a, a black you know a, a organization for for people of color for everybody uh, actually worked with her so for her to denounce the NAACP I find to be funny because they they got her money when she was being harassed uh, she was also harassed by a, a, a state senator or state congressman recently even though she said that racism doesn't exist I don't understand her. I, I believe her her motives are monetary, uh, but I don't know that. I just know that she's made a lot of contradictions and a lot of silly statements. So when I hear socially conservative, uh, uh, when I just hear that term, I, I think that's code. And you know, like like I said, I know a lot of liberals who are socially conservative. Uh, you know, I know a lot of progressives, you know, a lot of progressives that don't like gay people. Um, so. You know, it's, it's a weird, it's a cognitive dissonance. Um, and I, I find it to be problematic, but it's ultimately, it's just really weird to me. I find it quite sad. 
um, where you're able to reject anything uh, like uh, anything to do with blackness or black empowerment for money. Yeah. And let's oh, not forget um, President Obama and Vice President Biden were totally uh, anti-gay marriage until not that long ago. I mean, they evolved into the they evolved into that position, but that was President Obama's position. Um, and like I said, that he he evolved into it, but that was Joe Biden's position as a Catholic as well for years. So, <laughs> yep. Everything <laughs> Matt said, like yeah, he evolved into that position. And I still think he, to his nature, I don't think he wants to, but. He also knows what he, you know, what he has to say. Yeah. All right. So our next question is from Donna. Um, so she wants to know if you agree with the following statement. Uh, so she says that she feels like some of the things that are being said are some of the same stereotypes that she sees perpetuated by racist media and culture. Um, she understands talking about personal experiences or antidotes, and she welcomes that, but uh, she feels those are stereotypes. For example, uh, she says studies show that black men spend more time with their children, whether they live with them or not. Um, also, some of the things being called cultural defects are what happens to anyone who is deprived of resources. And she says, uh, how do you deal with the line between perpetuating stereotypes and pointing to harms that have caused problems would have caused those problems for anyone? Um. By no means am I trying to stereotype, and I think I've tried to say that, like, not trying to stereotype black men. Uh, and, I, and I've read that CDC study, and she's exactly right. With that being said, you can do two things at once. Um, I think that there's a lot of trauma in the black male community, and we need to discuss it if we're going to change it. Uh, by no means do I want to perpetuate stereotypes, but there are some truths, and when you have people, when you look at certain rates of child abuse and look at the statistics um, of who's causing damage, you got to speak on that stuff. Like I said, I'm a black male. I don't want negative stereotypes about me, but I have to also call out things that are factual. Um, and not just factual to me, factual statistically. I'm glad she mentioned that CDC statistic. Black men spend more time with their children. They might not be married to their mothers, but that's a true statistic. That's something that we need to pump up more. With that being said, you know, I've also seen where black men hurt people. Uh, and I think that comes from a place of trauma. They, we're having to battle two different battles. We're having to fight amongst ourselves. And we're having to fight against a system. And it's hard to fight those two things unless you're honest brokers. And so, no, I, I'm glad she mentioned that. By no means am I trying to perpetuate stereotypes at all. This is my third speech here and that's not who I am. With that being said, I try to speak truth to power as well. And if you don't, uh, then you don't fix issues. They just uh, metastasize. And I also have to look at it from my expect, uh, perspective too, where I lived in a black home, <laughs> where my, my dad was homophobic to me. What that looked like to me, what had happened to me, and what I see when it comes to other folks, even in, even in black spaces, it's really hard for me to like come out in black spaces because of generations of what I've seen as homophobia. 
there's it's a there's a lot of different there's a lot of different factors regardless on what you see in the statistics there is a hegemonic white hierarchy that dictates who what we do and who we are and um, that can't be ignored also um there's even even though like it's it's great to bring up statistics um what are you doing what are you doing to amplify those statistics as well what are you doing to amplify voices like ours what does it look like when when all of us are experiencing these situations does it make it any uh does it make it any less real because of statistics no there's there's some real truths that we with what we say and we all we all we really want to do is to encourage empower and learn from each other because we all have something to we all have something to give and we all have the capability to listen to one another so yeah, is there either is there anything more that either of you wanted to say to that? Or are you ready for the next question? No, I'm ready for the next question. Yeah. I'm ready. Uh, so Colin asks, as a white man, uh, what is there or is there anything that I can do to help support black men and people of color to move away from toxic masculinity and heal? Is this a situation where I should sit back down and listen, or is there a way that I can speak up or help other than to speak up against toxic masculinity in general? Are there groups or leaders that I can support? Um, first, uh, first, I think, um, uh, I would like to say you can reach out to like any one of us at any time. Um, I can leave my Twitter email in the comments. Um, um, just, just like ask questions and like get to know like the real us and like what we think and, and what we believe. Um, second, I would, um, I would like focus on like, uh, maintaining culture and like supporting black businesses, uh, like even like food places, um, skincare, hair, um, um, just even like uh, sending money, uh, listening, listening to Amplify voices like BLM, like Ronnie Deverless, um, or um, Desmond Cole. Um, listen, uh, listen, and read to. Uh, li listen and read mindsets of of what people experience on a regular basis, um, and pay attention to the news, and pay attention to what Black folks are saying. Um, it's just maintaining listening and, uh, and seeing the importance of what we say and who we are and what we do is pretty huge. And, um, all we are trying to do is to encourage each other. And I'll leave my website as well. And, and to go directly to your question, as far as, um, the one word I just have to say is ally and being an ally. Because, you know, when you say sit down, we, we don't need you to sit down. We need you to be an ally. Uh, not trying to, I mean, I, I think that right now where we're at, we're at a, a, a very precarious position in the world globally, number one. But if you look at what's going on, especially in the States, but I know there have been protests in Vancouver and Toronto. Um, yeah, I think being an ally is finding a way to, like Matt said, listen, uh, and, and find a way to amplify the voices of others. Um, 
but I think listening and be, I think it's just like politics. You know, yeah, we're voting for the president, but politics is local. You know, find someone, talk to that person because if, you know, I can't, I can't catch an airplane if I can't drive on the street because it's, it's small, it's, it's, it's a micro thing. So I think starting off at a micro level, if you, you know, have friends of color, have those conversations because those, the conversations that I've had with my friend over the past several months have also been emotionally draining, but I'm still here. I'm built to take it. Uh, and, and, and so is Matt. So by having those conversations and, um, and like I said, yeah, yeah, please don't sit down. Like I said, get to know people and, and amplify your voice and make space. I am very um, happy that, that Ian and Emily made space for me to do this. Uh, and if you don't have that platform, that's fine, but you know, bring people in and make space. And also just as a humanist, bring other people in because I think that there is, like I stated at the very beginning, there's a critical mass right now, I think, of humanists of color coming out more uh, because I think we're finding more space because a lot of us live in a place of shame, sadly. You know, I'm, I don't believe in X, Y, and Z. So, you know, and a lot of that has to do, like I said, it goes back to trauma. But as far as me being a black male, thank you. Uh, but yeah, being an ally means having those conversations and, and sort of reaching out to people uh, and having those tough discussions. Do we have any other questions? We've got a couple minutes left. Is there anything more either of you would like to speak on, like prompted by these questions? No, um, oh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Um, uh, be, uh, be willing to support uh, black owned businesses uh, financially, even, even through donation. Um, there's a there's a lot that we're wanting to do to empower and empowerment and giving people a chance is like, like a really big thing and all we have to, uh, I would just love uh, I would just love it if you can just support uh, fiscally financially whatever that may look like and um, and um, make sure that the, their voices are being heard um, please uh, please share also the read the skin we're in by Desmond Cole um it's a it's a really really good book that i feel that uh, that everybody should read um and um keep on searching uh keep on searching for uh, keep on searching and keep on listening um we can all be a bit bigger and better community if we just empower each other um also um also um I just wanted to speak to a little bit about um, um, the word allyship for a second. I personally don't like the word allyship. I feel that allyship is a hierarchy in 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 who and who we are as people. So, if I'm an ally, if like if I'm a white person, which I'm not, if I'm a white person and I'm, and I'm an ally, uh, I'm automatically it may be seen like there were in support, but what it does is like, I, I have a, I hold a higher position than what you do. Just, just be willing to listen, just be willing to listen and, and not call people allies. I just think it's just a little bit unnecessary. Yeah. And for me, and see, that's the thing, like I could, 
I, I understand what Matt's saying and I would agree to disagree, but that's okay. And I, and I think that's the point. Like we agree <laughs> on that because I'm all for building bridges and, and being allies to people because of, that's kind of my background, but I understand what he's saying as well. But I think it's important to sort of also make that space if you have the platform and the ability to do that. Do it at work, do it at home. You know, I, I, some of my, you know, the, the best friends that I've made are people who I might not always agree with, but that's okay as long as we're coming from a place of respect. Um, you know, I, I tend to have respect from everybody from the get-go, but, you know, if you do something, I can, you know, people can lose that respect, you know, quickly. That's, that's just me. But, you know, I, I, I try to come at people from a, always a place of respect and, um, you know, just someone who sees people's humanity. Like I stated before, I've been so dehumanized. Sorry, my dog. <laughs> I've been so dehumanized that I just refuse to dehumanize others. Um, but also, like I said, trying to understand um, Black folks. You know, it, it's not easy. Uh, you know, like I said, we live in a, we live in a precari precarious place. We have to live in two worlds. You know, we have to code so much. We have to do so many things that other people don't have to do. I have to be cognizant of where I'm at, of my size. If I'm in an elevator with a white woman, I have to always be aware of these things and the trauma and it can be taxing on me. And so at a certain point, I just started like, no, I'm just gonna be me. Um, and even to get to that place, it's, it's, it was hard. You know, like I'm still trying to become self-actualized when I shouldn't have to deal with X, Y, and Z to be seen as a human being. So, so no, thank you. Like I said, I, I appreciate the, the conversation because I think that's where it starts. Just look at the hierarchy in, in hegemony and look what it do, does to look what it does to black folks in the media, for example. When you saw George Floyd and there was a black man being, being arrested by the police for absolutely nothing and he turns out to be a, an FBI agent, there's a little, there, something is a little bit peculiar when it comes to that situation. So it's, it's automatically carting, um, seeing people, uh, seeing people for, for that, um, and realizing that there's a lot of toxicity that is being pushed onto us. And so how do we battle that if we're not even giving it a fair shot? So what does that look like? And um, we just all have the capability of seeing things for, for what we are. And if, if we're not, then we're not listening. If we're not listening, we're not listening properly. So, um, yeah. Totally. Um, I think this last question is a good one to end on. It's from Jake and they ask, uh, do you feel that this time the change will come? <laughs> the question hurts me. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm gonna say no, but the reason I say that it's also a positive. I never thought there'd be a black president either. Um, well, I've said, I've seen things before in my life that I've thought would never happen and they've happened. So I say no, and I say no because I'm looking at, uh, I'm saying that through a political lens right now. Uh, I see a lot of ignorance out there and it's purposeful ignorance. And I have a hard time wrapping around, wrapping my brain around people who are purposely ignorant. 
um, in the millions. And, and, and I just find that to be very, as an educator and as a human being, I find it to be very disheartening. Uh, like, like, like what Matt said, that hurts. It, 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 it's, yeah, it, it's a disheartening proposition to have people that are so anti-intellectual, um, you know, especially from the background I come from, where it's just like, when, when, when you're getting paid to be an anti-intellectual and getting paid to, like a, like a Candace Owens or people like that, it, it's, it's a sad statement of affairs. Um, and it's disheartening, it's just, and it, and it stings. But like I said, I also thought I'd never see a black president either, and that happened too, so we'll see. Is there anything that gives you hope on this? I mean, I'm always gonna be hopeful. I'm a happy, I'm a happy black man, but that's, <laughs> you know, it, that's, I'm also manic. So that's what to do with it too, so. <laughs> mental health so yeah i mean I, I mean there's a lot for me to be hopeful for you know me moving to canada there's just a lot I'm, I'm i'm happy i don't let this stuff get me down like i said before like like come at me or i can i can take it you know that's just me that's why i mentor that's why i do the stuff that i do because I've, it's a lived experience so yeah, I'm going to stay positive and happy. I'm not going to let stuff get me down. I've lived through Trump for four years, and I'm still here. So trust me. Um, see, I'm sad because, uh, like, I, I'm sad because I thought George Floyd was going to be the breaking point, and then we have more people die. We're not if we're not able to recognize the behaviors now, it's never going to be recognized, and so therefore there's going to be protests, there's going to be fights, there's going to be there's going to be black empowerment from BLM and and others that are in support of BLM uh, to bring equitable change because we had enough, and so. Change gonna come. I, I won't sing. I won't sing more because of copyright infringement issues. But you, you, you know what I'm getting at. So, yeah. My hope, my hope is that we uh, listen and really listen more. Um, I remember uh, actually, I had an experience recently where I was talking to this retired police officer. Um, the police officer did not want to respond via intelligence. The 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 retired police officer wanted to speak on militarization and and what that looked like and 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 say what I would do in this situation and um, we were talking about uh, Regis Korczynski Paquette and um, uh, on her on her passing and um, uh, then he then he was talking about uh doing a health check uh in uh in another apartment and say what he would do in the situation one of the things that he said was what did he say he said i would just lock the door on him and just wait until he goes to sleep and then we can like apprehend him and make sure that he's safe when he's on like the 26th floor okay cool like like that's the reason why that like I would never be able to like be associated with the police is because I am afraid of the mindset when it comes to talking to me because if you can't talk to me like a human being you're gonna other me because of my race 
this is the problem that we have. And this is the reason why that we have the mindset we have is because of people like that. Yeah, thank you both so much for coming back and volunteering more of your time to talking to these things um, that are like so incredibly heavy to, you know, speak on. Really appreciate it. And you both like are very eloquent about it. Um, yeah, and thank you everyone who is in the audience tonight. We really appreciate you for coming out. Um, and hopefully we can uh, hear from you again in the future. But um, yeah, I hope you all have a good rest of your night. All right. Thanks so much. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.